So the Wisconsin State Journal is almost 180 years old, and since at least Abraham Lincoln, we have been endorsing political candidates, which proves, Phil, that we got at least one of our endorsements right. And we got some wrong, too. (laughs) Yeah, let's not talk about those. But it is that time of year when we're starting to get calls about who are we going to endorse, when are we going to endorse. As an editorial board, we offer opinions, unlike the rest of the journalists here at the newspaper who do stick to the facts. So if we're going to try to engage the community, why would we not say something about one of the biggest things on people's mind and one of their biggest decisions? That's right. I, I think they're, I think editorial uh, page endorsements are probably one of the most important things we do at the newspaper here. Just this morning, I got a call from one of the Democratic candidates uh, for governor wondering if we were going to endorse in the primary. We are not, but we'll get to that on today's Center Stage political podcast. I'm Scott Milfred, the editorial page editor for the Wisconsin State Journal. And I'm Phil Hans. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we are half of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. The better looking half. One thing for fun today, I wanted to read that Abraham Lincoln editorial, at least most of it. We got that one right. We got that. I mean, nobody can disagree that the Wisconsin State Journal didn't get that one right. So I'm going to read part of that. And then, Phil, maybe we'll have you read part of one that pretty much everybody could agree we got wrong. We got it wrong. (laughs) And no, it's not the initial Scott Walker endorsement. The the jury's still out on that one, I think. And by the way, we're one for two on Walker. So whether you like him or not, hey... We're, we're 50% with you. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the Wisconsin State Journal began as a Whig newspaper. We would run the whole Whig slate of candidates every day on the front page. This is back in the 1800s. When there was a Whig party. Of course, one of the biggest issues at that time was... Slavery. Slavery and abolition, and we were big-time abolitionists. This editorial is from November 3rd, 1860, just days before Abraham Lincoln became president of the United States. I believe he was the 16th president of the United States. It is manifest to all intelligent and observing men that the great political contest, which will close on Tuesday next, is narrowed down. And the fact is now standing out plain and clear that Abraham Lincoln will be elected by the people. Or that the House of Representatives failing to elect him, Joseph Lane, the Breckinridge candidate for vice president, will become the president of the United States. Lane is a candidate for the vice presidency on the most ultra-pro-slavery and hence most obnoxious ticket in the canvas. It has never been pretended that Joe Lane possesses more than the most ordinary ability or education. He has been a sort of wandering politician, but the world is without evidence of his having any knowledge of statesmanship, diplomacy, or law. Are you looking to interject here? (laughs) (laughs) Abraham Lincoln is pledged to support the principles enunciated by the Chicago Convention. Does anyone think that he will fail when elected to carry out the principles faithfully and completely? From his first entrance upon the field of politics, every word, act, and sentiment of Mr. Lincoln, known or heard from, is not unworthy of the high position he now occupies. 
He has never talked or acted like a politician, but like a statesman and like a president. The arrows of envy and distraction that have been aimed at him have fallen blunted and harmless at his feet. And neither envy, interest, or passion has ever denied to him every title to honor and greatness. Abraham Lincoln will not tell a falsehood if by doing so he could be president for life. Wow. He cannot lie without changing his nature. Next Tuesday night, Abraham Lincoln will be president-elect of the United States. Those who want to take a share in the triumph must get aboard soon. Is it, is it climb aboard the Lincoln train right <laughs> yeah. there? <laughs> yeah. That's, I love what the, do you think? I love the language of those old, old yeah. editorials. I mean, I wish we could write like that nowadays. Well, well maybe we should. We should do one like be that. Be sooth, Trump. <laughs> he lieth. <laughs> so why do, why do newspapers endorse? I think that, A, people expect us to when they look for it. There was a while we were not endorsing in Supreme Court races, state Supreme Court races. Because we opposed the election of Supreme Court judges. Exactly. And uh, there were a lot of people who found that offensive, that we were not doing our duty as a newspaper to endorse. I mean, whenever we do an endorsement, around half of our readers are going to disagree and half are not. Now, maybe it's a little more slanted liberal in our readership these days than maybe it used to be. But there's still a lot of people who are going to complain no matter what we do. But I still think that we are relatively well-informed. You know, it's not that we're geniuses, but we follow the news. We get to interview the candidates in person. That's uh, key. It's our job. It's our full-time job. Yeah. Being informed about politics and the issues that are important to, to, to voters is our job, full-time. And, you know, a lot of voters don't have the time to do all the investigation or to figure out. I mean, you can read sort of the candidate profiles, which are helpful. But, you know, it's I think it's great to have people like us who are relatively, you know, we're not all morons in the editorial board <laughs> of the State Journal. Uh, you know, we get to meet with these candidates. We tell readers what we think about them and who's best suited to do the job. Yeah, and I, what we try, what we really do not do is talking points. You know, what in when an election comes down to the wire, you're hearing from one side that their candidate's perfect, the other candidate is evil, <laughs> and then vice versa from the other side. And what we really try to do is just break it down. We consider ourselves not to be beholden to either of the major political parties. In fact, I think, at least I'm talking for myself here, I'm kind of fed up with both of them. I think we also add to and spur the conversation about what our state and country should do. And readers then jump in. I mean, whenever we endorse just about anybody, we hear about it. We hear a ton about it, yeah. We get letters to the editor. We get phone calls. We get emails. We People are posting blogs online about our editorials, either that they're awful or misinformed or brilliant or, yeah, go get them. But, I mean, I think that's part of what an editorial page does is it encourages conversation by trying to add to the conversation and then seeking feedback. Yeah, exactly. And uh, while some newspapers don't do it anymore, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, most papers still do. Most of the big ones do. And I think it's something unique to newspapers. It's been going on, as we said, for centuries. 
at least more than one century. Yeah. <laughs> and it's something that newspapers have that nobody really else has. I mean, TV stations don't endorse, and um, a blogger might, but... As who's gonna as, who's gonna trust what a blogger said about an you know about a candidate? But as far as an institution that's well informed and and the institution's job is to find out what's going on in a community that they say something about it, I think it still means something. I think it means a lot. I, I hate people who th- sort of think that we're telling people who to vote for with an endorsement. No, we're telling you who we would vote for, and you can agree with us or disagree with us. You know, maybe we're trying to move the needle a little bit. We're saying this is the candidate who's who's qualified to do the job, and they have the right they have the right positions on the right issues, and they should they should, you know that's who that's who you should vote for. But if you don't agree with us, we'd love to hear from you about that. Yeah, in fact, you're a letters editor. We prioritize letters. We love those that yeah. go against what our own position is, especially an endorsement. Yeah, in fact, we've had a lot of letters running about how awesome candidates are in the race for governor. I'm not so sure that I agree that they're all that awesome. No, but, no. But hey, we let the readers say what they think. Yeah. So, Phil, uh, b- before we get to the endorsement that we're a little embarrassed about, why don't you just talk a little bit about how do we go about this? How do we decide who we're going to endorse? Well, we usually meet with them. If it's a local candidate, if it's a statewide candidate, if it's a governor, if it's a, a senator or a congressperson or an assemblyman or a, or a state senator, we will meet with them and, and hear what they have to say. Sometimes we meet with, with two candidates who are running against each other at the same time. Sometimes we'll meet with candidates individually. Um, but we usually have a, usually an, at least an hour-long meeting with the candidates and hear their positions on issues. And, and then after we've t- talked to the candidates, We'll meet as a board, all four of us, mm-hmm. uh, myself, Scott, John Smalley, the editor of the newspaper, and John Humanick, the publisher, and we will talk about uh, who we think is better suited to do the job. And usually we'll go around the table and we'll each make points and we'll sort of come to a consensus. Yeah, and I've been in on a lot of big endorsements over the last, oh, I guess, 10 or 15 years that I've been doing this job as the editorial page editor. And a lot of times on the big ones, we don't agree. But we come to sort of a consensus. It sort of becomes clear, okay, we see the board is going this way. So if there's a board member that doesn't agree, they're like, okay, but can we at least urge the candidate to do this because I don't think they're going to do that? And can we at least say this good thing about that candidate yep. who we're not going to endorse? I mean, there is there is a lot of um, – that's what I'm saying is it, a lot of our endorsements are not like – a sledgehammer. They're just a thoughtful, here's why we think this person's best. And we will we will acknowledge if there's some things we don't like about them. We will acknowledge if we like some things about the person we're not endorsing. I mean, I still remember the endorsement of George W. Bush. when I, Before I joined the editorial board, we endorsed George W. Bush in 2004. And before I joined the editorial board, by the way. That was before you were on the <laughs> yeah. board, too. And we still hear from that from readers like, how dare you endorse George W. Bush? And if you read that endorsement, it's basically like, well, George W. Bush has messed up on this, this, <laughs> this, this. He's got to do this better. Uh, he's got to fix this. And he's not doing a good job on this, but he's still better than John Kerry. <laughs> was basically the gist of that endorsement. And that was the least glowing uh, endorsement I've ever read of a, of a candidate, I think, was that endorsement of uh, George W. Bush in, in 2004. Yeah. And let's be honest. There are some races, particularly let's say it's city council and mayor and a bunch of others. Let's say that we're doing, we might do, you know, 15 meetings. Uh, Now, we haven't done that in a while, but I know in the past sometimes we've done 15 meetings with candidates. Oh, yeah. Um, 
sometimes I think we've had more than 30 candidates come in. That's a lot. So it's, it's a big commitment for uh, for us to meet with all these candidates. And sometimes we hold our nose. Uh, there's both candidates that we both have concerns. You know, we have concerns. We don't particularly like either one. Sometimes we like them both, and it's a really hard pick. Occasionally, we will not endorse because we don't like either candidate that much. I mean, yeah, like I mean, you, we very... have to really we have to really not like a candidate to not endorse in a race. Yeah, in fact, the one time I remember we made a point of not doing that. It was the races. I think Brett Halsey was running in Madison and had, it was kind of self-destructing as a lawmaker, and we were kind of fed up with uh, Steve Noss ripping on UW constantly, and both of them had just pretty weak token opponents yeah that we didn't think either of them were up for the to the job yeah so we basically said hey we're not going to endorse either one of you guys and maybe by not endorsing you for sort of the same reason which is we thought they were kind of showboating and not really trying to get things done just score points that uh we thought maybe that would help one but, thing I'll, I'll be very clear about our endorsements too is we're not telling you who we think is going to win an election when we endorse. No, these are not predictions. These are not a prediction. It's not a horse race we, prediction. We have often picked candidates that we are pretty sure have no chance of winning that seat, <laughs> but we think they're the better candidate. I think specifically of yeah. oh, what's that guy that ran against Glenn Grothman for the Congress uh, for Congress up in uh, Mark Harris, the Winnebago County executive who was a fiscally conservative Democrat. Uh, yeah, we met with him, and he was completely qualified. We're like, this guy is a congressman. You know, yeah. irrespective of party loyalties, this guy is respectful. He understands budget. He knows what's going on. Glenn Grothman is none of those things. <laughs> well, <laughs> I like Glenn a lot. He's one of my favorite lawmakers to talk to. Now, you know, he went from one extreme as a, a super liberal in college to uh, probably one of the most, the most uh, conservative members now of the legislature, now Congress, and he always rates almost last in terms of cooperating with the other side. But I still like the guy. He's fun, and he is smart on a lot of issues. Well, nice to have a beer with. Yeah. <laughs> but we were not about to endorse the most conservative member of Congress. No, no. And um, even though we had a pretty good idea that, that the Democratic challenger was not going to win that seat. Especially when the Democratic challenger was so strong and so moderate. I mean, arguably, we have endorsed one of the most liberal members of Congress in Mark Pocan. But there again, Mark Pocan, ever since he trounced Kelderoy's, has had, I mean, even calling it token opposition is almost giving a little too much credit. No, yeah. We obviously hope that all of the candidates come in to meet with us. Now, we, we invited Donald Trump in and we invited Hillary Clinton to come in and talk to us about our presidential endorsement. Neither they, one of them came. They did not come. No. I don't think Clinton ever came to Wisconsin. Remember? No, that was never one of the came knock, to Wisconsin. That's one of the knocks against her for um, why maybe she lost. But in the other races, we almost routinely have every candidate come in and... It's almost required that you come in to show us you want our endorsement, but I do remember a progressive Dane candidate way back in the day running for city council, and he refused to come in because, unlike virtually every other candidate under the sun, because you know he thought we were way too uh, conservative for him, even though we're moderates. And uh, but in Madison, that's pretty conservative. Pretty conservative. <laughs> and he didn't come in. His opponent came in, and even though we. Didn't we thought this guy was not good for the city council? It was like, you know, he is way more up to this job than his opponent, and we still endorsed him. Yeah, even though we didn't agree with his politics and he didn't come in, we still thought he was the best candidate. 
That's happened, yeah. So it's happened very rarely. Very rarely. And uh, one of my predecessors tells about one candidate who came in and started talking about aliens. You know, you do sometimes get some very fringe candidates coming in. Yeah. Uh, but by and large, as our publisher tells us, who's from down in Arizona, he thinks the caliber of candidates here is pretty darn good. We do not typically endorse in primaries. That's generally the case. One reason is... Boy, that's a, even more work. <laughs> that would be like having in 100 candidates in 50 meetings. I mean, we do have other work to do here at the newspaper than sit in endless meetings with candidates. Those cartoons don't draw themselves. <laughs> On the other hand, we also, we sort of think the parties can figure out who they're going to pick, and then we'll pick from between the best candidates from the parties. I think the other thing is it, it, it does get awkward is, this was before my time, too, but I remember the State Journal editorial board endorsing Bob Welch, I think it was, for Senate over some other Republicans, and then he lost. Yeah. And then it kind of gets awkward, like, oh, you're going to pick somebody you didn't think was good enough to now go into the Senate? And I, I think we did then wind up going with Feingold. That was a long time ago. I think it's, you know, I think one of the things, we like to be there for the final Decision. We're, we're, we're here to say who should be in this office, you know, yeah. and, and the, the, the parties can kind of pick who they want to put up. We'd like to make that final choice. So, so we, do, we do occasionally uh, endorse in primaries where there's no competition from the other side. So we're planning to endorse in the primary for the 77th Assembly District because there's four Democrats running and no Republicans. Yeah. And so if we don't endorse, we're going to never get a chance to tell readers our opinion about these four candidates. That's right. And we also typically will endorse in most, say, uh, certainly in a statewide uh, binding referendum, we would we would endorse in something like that. We would endorse in lots of local races and local referendums and school, Madison school referendums. Uh, we don't always get it right. We certainly don't. <laughs> I have yeah. evidence in my hand of us not getting it right. I hold here in my hand. All right. So Phil's going to read part of our uh, in, an endorsement we got wrong back in the 50s, I believe. But I, by the way, I, I don't know how you're going to, what sort of voice you're going to try to do for the 1950s. I feel like as I was reading that Abraham Lincoln one, I feel like it took me about two thirds of the way before I found the voice. Well, let's see what happens. Are you going to be like Mr. Cleaver or are you going to try to talk like uh, somebody in Happy Days. Anyway, here he goes. Here we go. The Wisconsin State Journal will support Joseph R. McCarthy for re-election to the United States Senate. This decision is based on three reasons. One, <laughs> next to the election of a Republican president, it is important to elect a Republican Congress. To elect Eisenhower president and then give him a Democratic Congress would bring only frustration and disaster. It'd be a disaster. <laughs> Two, it is essential for some agency other than the politically dominated Department of Justice, that sounds familiar, to continue inquiry into communist infiltration of the federal bureaucracy. Ah, that was a gasp. A gasp. The, the, facts show, the facts show such infiltration has occurred. McCarthy's defeat might discourage other elected representatives from participating in the campaign that has brought such wrath down on the Wisconsin senator's head. Three, there is no logical or reasonable alternative to Joseph McCarthy. <laughs> and then we covered and discussed, you know, the Democrats are unfit and, you know, there's no other good Republicans yada, running. Yada, yada, yada. yada, yada. <laughs> this newspaper has not been, nor are we now, a 100% supporter of Joe McCarthy, either personally or philosophically. But we'll take a roughneck who votes right. 
Ooh. McCarthy himself has become a symbol to most of Wisconsin and to many others elsewhere. To one group, he is a symbol of good. To another, he is a symbol of evil. The fact is that he has been blown out of proportion to both groups. He is not so good as those who admire him claim. He is not nearly so bad as his detractors contend. I think we were wrong about that one, actually. <laughs> Somewhere in between is the real real McCarthy, the man who is running for a re-election. He also is the man who probably will be re-elected. So we put that in, in part of our endorsement, too, is the fact that we thought he's going to win. Ah. Joseph, Joe McCarthy has sometimes been ridiculous in hanging the commie label on many who disagree with him. But to label all of McCarthy's efforts as witch hunting is equally silly. The enemies of McCarthy hint darkly about a reign of terror or, or black silence of fear. Nonsense, we say. <laughs> we still have freedom of speech in America. Should only the liberals or the Democrats have the right to use it? College professors right here in Wisconsin are making speeches and writing articles and publishing books and signing petitions against McCarthy. They do not seem to be afraid. They shouldn't be. But should McCarthy be denied the right to sass them back? <laughs> You're right to sass. We ended that. We ended that editorial <laughs> oh, with it? a question. Wow, the right to sass is that in the Bill of Rights? It sort of is in the free speech, I guess. I like the right to sass. Well, of course, the the my favorite line of that was where we say we have what was it? Not now, nor have we ever been 100 uh, percent supporters of Joe McCarthy, because that, of course, was the line that um, McCarthy's witch hunt committee would ask people have you now or have you ever been a communist something along that line yeah yeah and we were a republican paper and we endorsed the republican for uh, republicans running for office so i think pretty that's, consistently in that decade yeah, i think yeah. um when it came to the big races kind of i'm pretty sure they held their nose and endorsed mccarthy in that one it felt like it yeah in both this uh endorsement which uh, now uh, embarrasses us, and the Abraham Lincoln one, which uh, I'm proud of that our paper uh, helped him get elect, elected and, and fought slavery. There was, it was some flowery stuff there and a little more over the top, I think, than anything we would do now. No, we don't, we don't really yeah. get it. I also thought it was very interesting, um, the Abraham Lincoln editorial uh, specifically, was that we spent the we sort of buried the lead. We spent the first half the endorsement <laughs> yeah. talking about how bad the other yeah. guy was. We don't do that anymore. We, you know, we, we talk about how great the candidate is when we do an endorsement right off the bat, and then we'll talk about what the positions are, and we, we might mention the other guy at the end. We were basically saying, if you don't vote for Lincoln, this this is could get thrown into the House of Representatives, and then they're likely to elect Lane, who was... You know, we're basically picking the most rabid kind of uh, pro slavery pro-slavery guy yeah. to kind of scare you to score scare you to vote for because there was another more you know another Democrat Stephen Douglas who finished second yeah so much more reasonable as Democrats went in the eighteen sixties <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, hey it's we can't judge him. Uh, by modern terms, but uh, so anyway, uh, I think endorsements are fun. Other than you know, a little secret here is that you know, with editorials, we constantly lament. Oh my God, there's 37 seats on the Dane County Board, and only five or you know, five competitive races. This is terrible for democracy. Horrible for democracy, which it's, is true. It's horrible for democracy. But <laughs> good for our schedule. Yeah, it's a lot easier for us to meet with. 
uh, 10 candidates than, say, 70 candidates. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if every one of those races uh, had a candidate in it? They should almost do that just to... Uh, just to mess with just us. Just to get us, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't like us very much. Maybe we'd have in, you know... 50 at a time and say, anybody who's taken this position, please raise your hand. <laughs> Find and follow our podcast, Center Stage with Milford and Hands, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.